Hey guys, welcome to the final episode of season two of the Strong Dad Army podcast. I'm not going to make this intro too long because I just want you guys to, to listen to this unreal guest that I've got this week to, to round this season off in style. If you've been following the social media, which by now if you listen to this, you should be. Make sure, if you, and if you're not, check me out on Instagram at Coach Dan Ogden. And you can also find my page on Facebook, which is also Coach Dan Ogden. Anyway, today's guest is none other than former super bantamweight and featherweight champion of the world, Carl the Jackal Frampton. Now, this is a kind of a short episode compared to some of the others, but end of the day, you know, being champ of the world, um, you're probably a pretty busy guy. So I didn't want to take up too much of his time, but we had a good chat. Had a, you know, told her some good funny stories about uh, growing up in, in Belfast and talking all about his runs as world champ, but I'm going to let you listen to that for yourself. So here's this week's and the final episode of season two with Kel Frampton. Enjoy, guys. Hey guys, welcome to the next episode of the Strong Dad Army podcast. Today I'm pretty uh, pretty blown over. I've managed to get this guy on the podcast today. Um, as mentioned in the intro, my guest today is former super bantamweight and featherweight champion of the world, Carl Frampton. Mental. What, what are you doing on this podcast, mate? <laughs> uh, you, you, you invited me on. I know you had Jimmy Moore on recently as well. And, I did, mate, yeah. Um, I seen you down the gym there with with Nigel, yeah. um, Nigel Travis, and yeah, and that was it really. So you've asked me to come on and come on. Yeah, cheers, mate. Really appreciate it. It's, it's one of those things. Sometimes people will say, "How do you, how do you manage to get that going?" And I, the way I just say, "Look, the worst that someone can say to me is, fuck off.' If I if I say fancy, yeah. they just say, no, you're all right.'" <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right, mate. So, thanks again for coming on, mate. So, um, you know, like I always do, we'll start at the beginning, really, mate. Just, you know, give us a bit of a insight into your childhood or something like that, mate. What were you like uh, as a young lad growing up in Ireland? You know, were you a good lad, a bit of a bad lad, good at school? What, what was life like for you, mate? I was, I was all right. I was an all right kid. I wasn't. Uh, I was shy, um, pretty quiet, and off. Loved football. Loved boxing. Obviously. Um, uh, grew up on a place called Tigers Bay, which is pretty rough, right on an interface in in, in Belfast. Mm-hmm. Saw a lot of trouble. Um, probably got involved in that a wee bit, but more out of just like being a kid, and and that was the thing to do, and it was exciting. Um, but I think boxing probably kept me away from it really. Yeah. Um, really getting seriously involved in it, I never got seriously involved in anything bad or. But I was I was just a normal kid, mate. Just as normal, you know, working class kid out kicking footballs against walls and and mm-hmm. doing doing the things you do. So when did uh, boxing, you know, start to take a part in your life? Whether it was just from watching it or actually getting involved. Well, I I was really young when I started. I was only seven years old, so right. um, that's that's pretty young. And um, reason it was like I'm not from a big boxing family or anything. It was just more. More out of curiosity, really. I knew there was a boxing club um, in walking distance from from my house, and I just wanted to see what it was like and try it out. And, and I asked my mum to bring me down. I think she brought me, and, and maybe there was another four or five of us down, friends of mine. And um, and that was it, really. I just I just loved it. And the main thing, the, the thing that really got me hooked, I think, was when I was sparring, like 
if if someone with a bit of a mouth had have said something to me in the street, I'd have I'd have shit myself and and walked away. But yeah. when we were sparring in the club, I used to beat the loudmouths up, and I think I was I just felt great from that, and that was that's what got me hooked. So obviously you started really young. So when did you actually compete? Was it as young as seven, or was it a few years later? Or no, I'm I'm a first fight as a seven year old, which is wow. very young. You wouldn't get away with it these days. Health um, no, no. safety <laughs> and child protection rules and everything else, but um, a bit different when I was seven. And um, I probably so you to be a carded boxer where your your fights are actually recorded and you're on a medical card. Yeah. Um, you have to be eleven years old. I probably had forty or fifty fights before I was eleven. So um, I had a, I had a bit of a head start and on on most of the kids around that age. Mm-hmm. So with obviously starting so so young and it being such a big part of your life, was it always, even back then, an ambition to to turn pro, let alone obviously be any kind of champion? Was it was that something you thought, or did it just sort of fall into place eventually? No, I want I wanted to be a professional fighter, like, and and that's that was something, you know, I knew I was decent at it, and I always got a wee bit of praise around the, around the area. And people, a lot of people just knew me as the boxer. Like yeah. some people may not have even knew my name, but to see me walk into the club and there, you know, there, there's the boxer. Um, and I always wanted to be a professional. Um, and, that, and that was it really. I wanted to be a professional world champion. And obviously I've, I've, I've been able to do that. And it's something I'm very proud of, but that was, that was a real belief and a goal of mine as, as a kid, but first goal was probably football. To be honest, I enjoyed football more than boxing. Yeah. Um, but when you get to about sixteen and you have to pick uh, which direction you're gonna you're gonna take it, then um, I, I think I think I definitely picked made the right choice. I don't I don't think I'd have, I'd have made it very far in the in the football league. Nice. So, um, how old were you when you turned pro then? I was. Um, I was a 22, I think, and I had a bit of a decent, um, I had a bit of a decent amateur career, and I represented Ireland. Um, I don't know how many times, maybe 40 times in different right. international tournaments, and um, just like the Olympics, yeah. never on the cards or anything like that. Or never, well, I never. I would love to have went to the Olympics. Um, there was talk of me having a, a box off against another boxer for a place to go on the, the Olympic qualification tournaments for Beijing in 2008. Mm-hmm. And that never materialized. Um, I felt like it should have, and I felt like I, I wasn't being treated fairly. Right. And that was one of the main reasons why I turned professional. Um, I'm not saying I would have qualified for the Olympics mm-hmm. or I would have went and won a medal, but I should have been given the chance to qualify. Absolutely. Um, there was a guy kind of they they favoured over me, and and he got the go. And I could have waited around another four years, but then you're 26 when you're turning pro, and you may not have qualified even. And it's yeah, I think I think I made the right decision and, and turned over. Yeah, nice. So obviously, you know, many listening will you know potentially know that you, as I mentioned in the in the intro, that you're a two weight world champion. So uh, how long into your career was it then that there was talk, even talk of you? fighting for any titles, not even necessarily world titles, but, you know, whether it be a Irish, you know, any, or, I don't know, Commonwealth ones, anything like that? Yeah, I've, I thought I, I fought for a Celtic title, mm-hmm. um, which is Ireland, Scotland and Wales. Um, yeah. I fought for that in about, 
think about my sixth fight or something. Um, and it's it's more to do with the rounds. So for, for title fights, you have to fight. So it, it needs to be a, a minimum of 10 rounds. So it was a 10 round fight. So I knew I wanted to win bigger titles, but it was about getting ready to fight for 12 round world title fights. And the Celtic title was a step in the right direction. And I, yeah. I won a Commonwealth title after about, I think it was 11 fights. Um, I won a European title and then obviously went on to win the, a couple of world titles. Um, something I never won was a British title. I wasn't allowed to fight for it. The guy who was a champion at the time just didn't want to know, didn't want to fight me, and I felt like I couldn't wait around for him to for him to grow a set. So I, I had to I had to bypass that. Not mentioning any names. <laughs> no. Well, everyone knows. Any any boxing fan would know. I ended yeah. up fighting the guy eventually. Um, but I boxed him for a world title, and I nice. beat him then. But he didn't want to fight me when it was uh, when it was British title level. Yeah. Probably sweeter though getting the world title from him, eh? Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, nice. Um, right, so um we've obviously mentioned about the world title. So um how old were you when you first when you when you had your first world title fight? Was it like um, I mean I was talking to you, like you said about Jamie Moore a few days ago. Now I know he, he didn't get to the, the opportunity for the world title, but he was like a last minute, he was like five days' notice for his uh, European, I think it was, or it might have been his British. And was it yeah. anything similar like that to you? Or was it, you know, it was, it was on no, I, It was, I, I was, I was getting myself in the position to fight for a world title. The guy who I won my first world title off, Kiko Martinez, Spanish guy, I'd already beaten him for a European title. Right. Um, I'd knocked him out uh, in Belfast um, and took the European title off him. He went on a bit of a run, went to Japan, won the world title away from home. And then he, he, he won all, he had a couple of defences. And then he, he, you know, I got myself in the position to fight him again. And, and I beat him. The second time I beat him on points. Um, but I think it was 27 when I fought, when I fought for a world title the first time. Mm-hmm. Nice. And then, of course, you went on to uh, get the featherweight as well. Was it featherweight first or super bantamweight first? No, so the Super Bantamweight first, and then I so saw I won that. Kiko Martinez had a couple of defenses on the Super Bantamweight title. Then I unified that division. Mm-hmm. I fought a, a guy called Scott Quigg from Manchester in the MEN. Yeah, I remember those. Um, wasn't, it wasn't a brilliant fight, but it, it was an easy fight for me. It was comfortable. Yeah. Um, so I took his title off him, and then I moved up to Featherweight and fought a guy called Leo Santa Cruz in, in Brooklyn. Um, as a massive underdog, first fight in a new division. He was a three-weight world champion at the time. Nah, four-weight world champion. And not a lot of people thought I could beat him. And I, and I went and, and beat him. And that was a, obviously a huge night for me. Yeah, understandably so as well, mate. Um, so that must have been, must have been nice for being the huge underdog as well. Yeah, up until that point in my career, I'd been the favourite in every fight that I'd went into. Like, I'd never, I'd never been the underdog. So... It kind of lifted a little bit of pressure off me, if I'm being honest, because people, right. yeah, people just right. expected him to win, and I, and I I was going there kind of just under the radar. I remember just looking around, and even the media and stuff, the way they were behaving around both of us, um, he was being treated a lot better than me, being asked more questions. You, there was little media huddles. There might have been three or four journalists around me. There was twenty around him. And I just thought I had it in my head the whole time. I was gonna, I was gonna beat this guy, and I, and I did. Nice. 
So, um, I mean, you did go on to to lose back in, was it 2018, when you lost the, the world title? I lost in 2018 to Josh Warrington, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, sorry, first of all, Leo Santa Cruz, who I beat. Yeah. I lost to him in a rematch. Right. Um, so, it's one each. Both fights were good. Both fights were close. Should have been a third one. And, and every man and his dog knows that I wanted to have the third match, but he he's... It hasn't happened um, for whatever reason. Um, so that was that was the first defeat of my career. Yeah. So is that a likelihood of happening again? Still, do you think, mate, or is it? Is that was that ship sailed now? Do you think just? I I, I would love it to happen again, but I, I think it's past now. I just yeah. think it's been too long waiting. Um, and it's a shame, though. It's a real shame. It should have happened. Um. But I think it'll be more of a blotch on his career when, when you look back on a career and reflect rather than mine because I was the one always talking about this fight, always wanting to settle the score. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like, you know, I beat him, he beat me, both close fights. And he's like, he just didn't want to know again once he got one up on me. And it's like, come on, man, you just need to do it. It would have been good for boxing, good for both of our careers. But yeah, it just, it just hasn't, hasn't happened. Yeah. So as as we mentioned at the beginning, obviously we, we kind of briefly crossed paths not too long ago through like Nigel Travis, who works for the Fire Brigade with me. Um, so w- when did that that happen? Because um, I know I don't think you've been tra- have you not been training with those guys like Nigel and Jamie Moore for all that long? No, I, I've been I've teamed up with Nigel and Jamie. Um, it'll be approaching three years now. I've been training with them. Okay. Um, so. Yeah, I've, and it's been the best three years of of my professional career. I've really enjoyed it. Um, I've loved teaming up with the boys. They've they've taught me a lot. They taught me a lot about myself as well. Good, honest people. Yeah. And um, both of them would would do anything for for anyone. Like they go to the end of the earth for you. Yeah. Just real good people. And um, yeah, it's been about three years now. I've uh, I've been with them. Nice, nice. So. Um, no doubt when you come over training, do you, do you come weekly or do you come stay over for a few weeks at a time? How does it work? Because you still live in Ireland don't you, at the moment. Yeah, I still uh, I live in Belfast. Well, just I'd say Belfast. Um, I um, I normally normally it's every weekend, so Monday to Friday over here, and then I get a flight home and see see my wife and my kids, and um, come back on a Monday morning again. But with this coronavirus and this current situation worldwide at the minute um i've been getting the boat from birkenhead um belfast to birkenhead boat which is nine hour overnight boat um <laughs> just get in the cabin and go to sleep which isn't bad i just don't fancy like see to be honest personally coronavirus i know obviously people are worried about it and i'm a young fit healthy man mm-hmm. i'm not i'm not afraid of getting the virus i'm afraid of getting it and having to pull out of a fight because of it so I'm I'm taking all the precautions and I'm getting the boat, which because I, I think it's just a bit more safer than being around airports and mm-hmm. and airplane stuff. So that's that's what I'm doing at the minute. So it's only every second weekend I'm getting home now, which right. which isn't ideal, but it, it is what it is. Yeah, hopefully only a temporary measure, though, eh, mate? Yeah, yeah, cross, yeah, yeah. Uh, so um, you you just mentioned like your, your wife and kids. So um, how do they how do they sort of manage with you know you know you obviously being away. 
Um, and of course, if you do fight abroad, like you say, you fought in Brooklyn, I know you fought in Vegas and things like that. Is that, is it just something the kids are used to or is it, you know, do, do you find you, you tend to have some sort of struggles with that, being a dad and what have you? Yeah, well, it's not easy. I think the kids have probably just got used to it now that I, when I get a camp, I go away and they know I'm not going to be around all the time. Yeah. doesn't make it easy, but it's just the way it is. And, and the way I look at it is it's a short career, so I'm prepared to put as much effort into it now as I can, hopefully reap the, the rewards mm-hmm. at the end of it, and I can relax and chill out with them and do whatever I want, whenever I want. Um but yeah, it's 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 not easy. It doesn't really ever get any easier either. Um, of course. My missus won't. She's she used to come and watch all my fights. But I fought Josh Warrington uh, a couple of years ago and, and I got beat. And it was a pretty brutal fight, and and she she can't come back and watch it. She says so. Um, yeah, Oops. I don't think I don't think he'll come back and watch me fight until uh, well. For, I I don't have you know I have a, a couple of years left in this career, so I don't think she'll ever. Everybody at ring say to watch me fighting again. And to be honest, that was going to be my next question. If the uh, not necessarily the misses, but if the kids have even been ever been watching you, <laughs> the kids have been. So we brought them to um, my daughter Carla was there from a first world title fight mm-hmm. um, in two thousand and was it fourteen? So she would have been only four or five, and the only reason we brought her was because. Um, <laughs> The only reason we brought her was because no, there was no one to babysit her. Like, the whole city was at the fight. Right. So, we had to bring her. But she slept through it the whole time. There's, there's great pictures of her sleeping on, on my dad's knee right. with my ring jacket on, like, to, to keep her warm. Um, and the both of them were at a fight when I fought Santa Cruz in, in Brooklyn. So, mm-hmm. two, two of the biggest fights in my career I've had my kids at. The, oh, and the reason we bought them to Brooklyn was because we wanted to go on a holiday after for about a week and stay in America, and that's what we done. So, nice. um, my missus is like auntie, like having nannies and all this here. She's yeah. you know one of them one. So um, oh, the kids were there. Yeah. Nice. So, what's the uh, what's the future looking like for you, mate? Anything lined up yet, or is it just you just keeping yourself fit because we don't know what's going to happen? I do, I don't have a definite date yet, but I'm hoping to get something announced here and in the next couple of days and just locked in. Um, looking like early to mid August for a fight. Okay. Um, against a you know a, a reasonable level of opposition. Hopefully mm-hmm. after that, and I've been as good as promised a world title fight and and against a guy called Jamel Herring, which would be a, a world title in my third division. So nice. give me a chance to become a three weight world champion, which Ireland has never had one. Um, I don't think there, there, there's been a couple in in in, main, in UK. So if I if I put myself in that position and, and become a three weight world champion, that would be that would be huge for me and potential Absolutely. potentially put myself into the into the boxing hall of fame. Yeah, massive legacy as well, that man. I'm no doubt you're going to leave a good legacy anyway, but that'd be ridiculous. Yeah, that's that's the plan, like, and that's the real. That's the goal, and that's the objective. I genuinely believe we can do it. Um, it's not going to be easy, but I believe I believe we can do it. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, with um, again talking to Jamie the other day, I know his career was cut relatively short, as he mentioned about like brain scans and things like that. I mean, is it at the moment have you got your, your sights set on a particular age or year that you is the maximum you want to box to, or have you not thought that far ahead just yet? Or? I'm not. The, I'm not the youngest in the world anymore. I'm 33. Yeah. Um, I don't have a, a like a sad figure in my head, but 
um, I want I want to be involved in big fights, so I want to win a world title. That's what I want to do. Hopefully, I can do that within two fights, and then I'll see after that. We'll yeah. just take it from there, see what gets offered, see what the options are. It's just about taking one fight at a time, really, at this stage of my career. I don't have a limit, but you know, I'm not daft. I, I know that I know that I'm not at the start of my career either. So yeah, mm-hmm. just I just take it one fight at a time. Absolutely, mate. Okay, then. So you know, we're probably close to uh, to wrapping it up now, mate. And you know, as, as you may have, if you've heard any of the other episodes or I've mentioned to you, I always like to ask the guests that come on to give us maybe a bit of a funny or embarrassing story, you know, just to sort of show that no matter who you are, what you've achieved, whether you're a world boxing champ or not, we've all made a bit of a prat of ourselves at times, mate. So if you've yeah. got one, share it with us. Uh, talk, well, as a kid, uh, there's a story, there's plenty of stories, but probably I get myself in trouble if, <laughs> if I told them, but I'll tell you one that I was a kid maybe four or five and me and a friend a, a lad and a, and a girlfriend so there was three of us um ended up i don't know what happened but we ended up in the nude in an alleyway plus <laughs> three um as four or five year old and my dad caught me cycling and a little trike the three of us i don't know i don't i don't really remember what happened but i remember telling him I don't know how to hang up. This happened too long. This did actually happen, but I told my dad that a man told us to take our clothes off. No. <laughs> but I don't know if he did or not. I think I might have just made that up because I was embarrassed. Um, but my dad didn't believe me anyway. Um, anyway, I don't know. Bit off topic, bit of a mad one. And there's plenty of stories like that, but yeah, that, that was the first one came to my head. Oh, no way. So have you never been caught with the, uh, I mean, you know, Jamie's uh, episode will be on before yours and uh, he, he mentioned about getting like debagged in Marbella by, uh, I think it might have been Rocky Fielding, I think he said. And uh, uh, the boy, listen, that, that's... You're always doing that at your Jimmy said. It's, it's mental. I, I don't know. I always, I always tie my shorts up really tight in the gym. And if I don't, if I don't have a, like a drawstring on my shorts, yeah, I'll I'll tape them up because I know it's coming. So it's brutal in that gym, and it's uh, yeah, that's just it just always happens the way it is. Yeah, it keeps you on your toes, I suppose, mate, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. I got Nigel. You probably I don't know if you've seen this, but I got Nigel in the subway in uh, New York. Oh no, at, uh, online. Uh, it's. It's on my Twitter feed recently. It's one of the funniest things you'll ever see. I'll have a standing look. Up, standing up on the subway, drops his trousers, a woman gets off her seat in disgust. Um, <laughs> and Nigel just steals her seat. It's amazing. I'll have a look for that, mate. Definitely. Yeah. So, awesome. Thanks again for coming on, mate. So, as we're uh, wrapping it up, then let, obviously, I know there are probably plenty of people who, who hopefully follow you anyway, but where can people catch you on uh, social media these days, mate? Um, I'm on Twitter. Um, I forget my names. Um, Real C Frampton on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm on Instagram. Um, I can't remember my Instagram name. I'm sure they'll the find Fram- you. The Frampton. So there's a few. There's a few dodgy ones that have decent numbers on Instagram. Maybe ten or eleven thousand. I, I have about. I have a right few more than that, but um, the Frampton is my official one on Instagram. 
Nice. I'll find them and put them in the, in the uh, notes of the episode anyway. So, uh, All right, right, mate. Take it easy. Thanks very much for coming on again, mate. Really appreciate your time and uh, hope you stay healthy and get that, uh, that world title fight very soon. Good, man. All the best, man. All right. Take it easy, mate. Cheers. Bye. Speak soon. Bye.